This is Infants on Thrones. Listener Action. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is our November 2018 Listener Essay Contest, where you, the listeners, get to say what you want to say, how you want to say it, where you want to say it, and it is more than a privilege that that where gets to be here, that we get to host these on Infants on Thrones, where so many of us are all infants sitting on different kinds of thrones, right? Today's essay comes from Ron and is titled... Julie said goodbye. And after you listen, please go to our website and vote for it and provide the author some personal feedback. Winners will be announced in early December. First place gets $200, second place $100, and third place $50. All right, ready, set. All right, go ahead. Hello, infants. It's one too many here. Um, Longtime fan, longtime listener. I think I've... uh, Oh. Let's turn the radio off. I just pulled up in my driveway here and uh, finally getting around to doing a submission. I was going to go in and type it, but you know, I pulled up. It's Friday night. I've been I've been typing all day. And I thought maybe I'll just, you know, get high and talk to them like I talk to my friends. So uh, I can tell you my story. So anyway, I'm going to get high. Friday night. I don't have my kids this weekend. Probably just going to spend it alone watching Netflix or something. But anyway, oh, music. So I'm going to play, uh, whew, a lot of smoke in here. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to play cut copy. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Take me higher. <coughs> All right. So let me tell you about the first time I got high. And I'm not talking marijuana. I was 34 years old. And I was high on God. I was a child of God. I was a child of God that grew into a man of God. And I felt like... uh, God was finally helping me in my life. Because I was going through a lot at the at that time at 34 years old, and I don't know if I want to really get into all of it, but uh, I mean that's for another time. But I got high and uh, naturally from my religion because I was living it to the tilt. I was living it to the tilt. I was trying so hard to make everything work right for me in Mormonism now that I look at it, and it wasn't working, at least I thought it wasn't, so anyway, one day I'm walking home from church after coming home from Elders Quorum, I was the Elders Quorum, I was covering the Elders Quorum, and and I was a high counselor at the same time, uh, downtown Salt Lake, Ninth uh, Ward and uh, Liberty Stake and uh, serving under Bishop Larry Spenlove a wonderful man can't say enough about him uh, but anyway uh, I don't want to get all emotional 
pot does that to me. It really puts me in touch with uh, my emotions. So, uh, beautiful day. I've just gotten fired from my job on Friday as an electrical engineer. That's a whole other story. And uh, coming back from uh, teaching elders quorum class, covering for that. And I was, I had a, a meeting scheduled that night to try to go back and meet with my boss and get my job back. And I'd called uh, Paul, the, he was the manager of the company and we arranged a meeting for Sunday night. And so uh, I was walking home and I just had all this on my shoulders. You know, I thought I'd lost my job and weren't having kids. I've been married now five years. It was coming up on our five-year uh, marriage anniversary and kids were not anywhere on the horizon. And I also uh, wanted to take her through the temple and she uh, didn't want to go through the temple and so we got married civilly. And uh, her father, uh, Max Parkin, he's a church historian and very respected man. I love that guy. I respect him so much. But uh, he came up to me uh, on our wedding night. We had it at downtown at the Hilton and, and he grabbed me by the arm and kind of pulled me aside and he said, one year, right? And I looked at him and I said, yeah, I didn't know what he meant. But I think uh, Julie told him uh, that, that we were going to put off the temple and go, go in a year. That's just kind of how she makes decisions. He's very cautious. and uh, so. Uh, but he was inferring that it was my fault. I knew it. I, you know, he was inferring that uh, either I'd been excommunicated or uh, disfellowshipped. And uh, it's like, uh, you don't know, dude. It's not me. <laughs> it's not me. But I just kind of went along with it and shut my mouth. And it came out later that... Uh, she didn't want to go to the temple and because I was going to the temple while we were married and childless and I was going to the temple at this time uh, by myself because I couldn't get my wife to go to the temple with me and uh, I remember having a vision in the temple when they show the uh, film for uh, Adam and Eve, I was in that garden and I was a bird. And uh, I saw what went down. You know, it's all fantasy land, but you know, that's, that's kind of where you live when you're LDS. It's a magical world, you know, it's magical thinking. Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark and all those great stories. Uh, <laughs> I think we love the magical stories in our in our you know, the stories that we tell each other as human beings, I think we love the magic and the woo and the mystery. And I love that too. And so I was, I was high. I was high just like this. I was uh, just happy with my life and things were positive and God was, God was on my side. I remember walking down the street and feeling like I finally done, I'm finally doing everything right, and now I have the power of the Spirit. I have God in my pocket, God's on my side, and I felt a conduit. Like shooting up, I was walking down the sidewalk, and it felt like I was just, my head was shooting right up through the heavens and breaking through the veil and piercing another dimension in time. And 
God was talking to me and directing my footsteps and directing everything and like my co-pilot, you know, Jesus take the wheel. I don't know what it was. But I came in the house and I told my wife about it, what was going on, and we sat in our living room and she was asking me questions about gospel, you know, here and beyond and gospel doctrine and plan of salvation stuff and and all of a sudden I, I had to cut her off and say, wait, there's someone here. There's someone else in the room. And she asked me, she was a little afraid, she said, who is it? And I said, it's my grandmother. And I could see, as, as soon as I said it's my grandmother, she appeared. And I could see her. And uh, I'd never met her. She died when my father was nine years old and he didn't talk about his mom because it was a painful topic for him. He, he loved his mother, and he was kind of a, a mama's boy, and, and his dad was hard on him for it because he was the youngest child. And uh, Anyway, I saw her. She was beautiful. Dark eyes, dark hair, olive complexion. Dressed in white. She was radiant. But she was sitting in a chair in our living room. She, and she was trying to tell me her name. And all I could get was M-M-M. And so I broke down and I, I was so embarrassed I started to cry. And, and my wife said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't even know my grandmother's name. Because she's here. And uh, my wife said, uh, well, don't worry about that. You didn't know her. Why would you know her name? So my wife immediately asked, well, why is she here? And I said, she's here to help me get my job back. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember what happened there. My next memory is driving with her in the car. She was sitting in the, in the passenger seat with me and I was just listening to her counsel me. I was quiet and she was speaking to me, telling me to calm down. and listen and just let Paul talk and let Troy talk and just be at peace just listen and uh, I went into the I uh, we pulled up to the the building for the meeting and I got out of the car and whoops my car just shut off maybe I'm going into too much detail <laughs> but anyway, I got out of the car and she gave me a hug. And I asked her where, uh, where you, she said, I have to leave you now and, and you're going to be okay. You, you need to do this alone. And uh, I asked her where she was going and she said, I'm going to be with your father. My dad was living, uh, my dad was living in Florida at the time. Uh, And uh, so I got home, and the first thing I wanted to do was call my dad. And I called my dad and said, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened. Your mother came to me. And he said, what was her name? Please tell me her name. And he said her name is Amplis Maud Kinder. She was trying to tell me Amplis. But... The word's not in my lexicon, and then she started doing the mod, and mod, and I was getting M, but... Oh. 
God. I mean, I mean things like that. Uh, how can I deny God? But it turned out uh, I was crazy. You know, a lot of other things happen that I'm not going to speak about. <laughs> Maybe pearls before swine, I don't know, but uh, I had my calling election made sure. And uh, then about 2 o'clock, I couldn't sleep, and I was still going it. I was just going full tilt. I mean, I was so high. I was so excited. And uh, that's when God, I, I tried to lay down on the bed and relax because I hadn't slept for I don't know God when I was getting very little sleep during all this and I lay down on the bed and God and Jesus appeared to me and told me that they were going to seal me his, that I was going to be sealed to them and that uh, uh, they were going to give me all that they had all that they knew, and they were going to lock it into my brain. And it would be sealed until a time when I was ready to deal with it. Because I'd been praying to know the mind of God. I mean, I was just praying to be one with God. But I just felt like I needed God in my life so much because I was trying so hard to make things work with my wife, and I wanted kids, and stressed at work and trying to, oh, I was way overloaded at work. So anyway, uh, about two in the morning, Julie called the bishop and she said, Bishop, there's something wrong with Ron. You got to come over. And so they, <laughs> the bishop came over at Bishop Spendlove and uh, came over and they tried to bless it out of me. <laughs> they wanted to give me a blessing, and that was just funny to me. I was just, okay, give me a blessing. So I sat down, and they put their hands on my head, and, and all of a sudden, Satan appeared to me in the room, and uh, she came in the guise of Julie's friend Heather, who's very funny, irreverent, and you might say, if, you know, if Satan, if Satan were the father of lies, she would be the mother. <laughs> I had so much fun catching her in her lies. But anyway, she, uh, she was a fun person and she came in the room and I said, they're giving me a blessing. And I said, Satan's here and she's a woman. <laughs> no, I just, I didn't say that. I just said, Satan's a woman. <laughs> and I was laughing. And, uh, at that point, the blessing came to a stop, and they said, yeah, this guy needs help. <laughs> so they drove me, uh, put me in the car, drove me up to the uni, and they examined me, and just told them my story, and, you know, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. And there were a lot of other crazy stuff that I was saying and doing, but I was going a mile a minute. I was so fucking high. And I was high on God. And there's something in my brain going on where it just, uh, you know, the magic, uh, <laughs> the magic uh, 
jackpot was hit, I don't know. But they took it away from me, and uh, I remember waking up and, and, you know, I'm bipolar. That's what they said, I'm bipolar. You know, I'm 34 years old. Bipolar doesn't, uh, I don't just, that, just, that diagnosis just never sat straight with me because I'm actually LLI, low latency inhibition and a little high, a little ADD and, and uh, HSP, so high sensitive, highly sensitive person. Anyway, uh, man, I shouldn't have got so high. <laughs> I'm telling you everything. Uh, so anyway, uh, waking up in the hospital, uh, that was just the first one I came down off of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, I'm a scientist, and it was all curious to me, like, what the hell was that? I, I felt like God, but they're telling me I'm crazy. And uh, I stopped going to church. I just, it was my trigger. And actually, uh, that was in February of 97, and I, uh, I had another episode in... Uh, no, I'm sorry, November was my first, and then February was my second the next year, and then I had another episode in July, one right after another, and they were all God-based. It was all this you know, revelation, and I felt like I was reading the heavens, and I was and just some of the simplest kind of shit, too, of studying, studying light and colors and numbers, and sequences and Fibonacci sequences and the golden mean and the golden ratio and and you know I, I know trigonometry and geometry and and so I was trying to study the universe I guess or God the secret like what makes uh, makes all this patterning that goes on in every dimension there's patterning and there's uh, there are ratios that are set and it's it's so designed. So anyway, I I uh, became very yeah. Thank you, Dan. It's a shame to cry, uh, and that's that's kind of where I went. I got so depressed because I'd lost. I started reading. Uh, I remember when they called me the High Council. I don't know if this was before or after my first episode. But I went to my father-in-law, Max Park, and he's a church historian. And uh, I just said, I want a book right down the middle. I, I figured, you know, they were teaching Doctrine and Covenants in Sunday school again. And I've always had a hard time with that uh, book. Just figuring out all the names and dates and what the revelation was for and who, the, who it was to and what was the situation behind it. And, you know, the, I just couldn't keep all of it straight. And it doesn't help that it's not in chronological order. But anyway, I thought, you know, I need to get a book on church history. <clears throat> so I went to my father-in-law, Max, and I said, Max, just give me a, a down-the-middle book. And so he recommended that I, oh, he actually had it in his library. He loaned it to me. It was called uh, Joseph Smith, the First Mormon by Donna Hill. She was the niece of, uh, uh, what's say Truman Madsen? No. <laughs> she was the niece of, uh, oh, David O. McKay. <laughs> And uh, her brother was Marvin S. Hill, who is uh, a noted church historian as well. And she wrote a really good book. And it was, it was straight down the middle. But, oh my God, the stuff that I was reading. And, 
You know, I think at this point I'd already cycled one time through the magical kingdom. <laughs> I was back with my feet on the ground and, you know, scientist again and atheist leaning. After all of this, I just lost. I, I thought, you know, if that was crazy, if what I experienced was not God, then it's, then, yeah, I guess I'm bipolar. I guess I'm crazy. I guess I need to, you know, wean myself off of uh, God. <laughs> but that was the pivotal, uh, the, the pivotal theme in every manic episode was that uh, God, I was God. You know, I was a God. I mean, the, if you take the church to a nth degree, oh, the car's disagreeing with me again. Uh, <clears throat> if you take the... If you take the teachings of the church to the nth degree, you know, live them literally, and it uh, it it works. You hallucinate. <laughs> no, I I just uh, it's hard for me uh, living with my feet in both worlds because you know when I get high, I remember all this spiritual thing, all the spiritual stuff that happened to me, and my judgment is kind, and I. I feel good about life, and I've, uh, it's, I'm happy. And you know, right now it's hard being happy because I'm divorced and living in the home that I built with my now ex-wife, and I'm living in the home where I raised my kids as a stay-at-home dad after I lost my job as an electrical engineer from my mental illness, and. Uh, you know, I don't really blame the church. I think I would have probably gone off in any uh, religion that was so tailored for my psyche. I think I'm a, I'm a pleaser and I'm a, I want to be a good boy. You know, I work for Scoopy Snacks. <laughs> That's kind of what my mom trained me to be. Yeah, I'm just sitting here and trying to find my life and enjoy it. And I don't uh, know if there's a God or not. When I'm high, I think there is. And when I'm low, I think there isn't. And, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a security thing with me, you know, needing to feel secure. And right now I feel like such an orphan and I'm so alone. And I think maybe the universe is teaching me to be alone. To just be okay being me. Now, speaking of that, come on, car. I'm probably going to go overboard on this, uh, but I'm just going to submit it, and if you want to play it, you can play it. If you don't, you don't. So, uh, let's get back into the music. So, I miss my kids. I raised them uh, as a stay-at-home dad after I... Uh... Here we go. After I... Uh... Lost my job as an engineer. I got a job working with uh, Julie's brother, working construction, and uh, I really loved it. I mean, I, I just took to it. I'm good with my hands. I like building things, and I would get in this state of flow. I mean, it felt like when I would throw the paper outs with my mom. Uh, those were good times. Back in the 70s, throwing the paper outs with my mom listening to the music I love the music of the 70s I'm just you know I'm kind of a child of the 70s I guess it's when I came of age musically and I remember the first 
song I was really jamming out to was a brand new pair of roller skates. <laughs> I think if I tell the truth, I mean, or just put it out there, I still love my wife. My ex-wife, and he right there. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I know I gotta shake that. Because she went through a lot. She did, with uh, my hyper-religiosity, I guess you'd call it, or I don't know, my condition. But, you know, Mormonism was baked into my bones. And I don't know if I'm just, I was just a really naive soul that just believed what I was told and wanted to please my parents and wanted to get along with my peers. And, you know, it's my culture. And I was baked in it. And I didn't, you know, funny thing is, I did my genealogy after I really left the church. Which was, I mean, it's, God, it's hard to say when you leave something you love when you left it. I mean, I I guess I left the church about 2004, 2005. And, uh, you know, the bishop uh, told my wife, she, he said, if there's anybody that has a good excuse not to go to church, it's Ron. And that made me feel good. And I love bishops, Ben Love. I mean, he, uh, he kind of rescued me when I was going out. I mean, he, he rescued my wife. I mean, she was... Uh, that was some hard shit for her to see me go through all of that. And then to come to the release, realization that I'm crazy. And after that, I mean, it created a rift between us where she didn't trust me. And I was reading these books and I was bringing information to her and she didn't trust me. She didn't trust me. Especially over her dad. And I'd say, well... Go ask your dad, he'll tell you the same thing. But she didn't really want to seem to talk about the church or the religion. And I should have been, I mean, God, it's stupid me. I should have taken the cue and shut my goddamn mouth. Just had a good life with her. Make her happy and not be depressed. But I was so goddamn depressed. I'd lost my worldview. Just like that. Felt it was so fast. And, uh, you know, I guess I blame going to school as uh, an engineer. I'm really, not a, I'm really not tuned for that. I'm more of a, I'm an artist, I'm a musician. I love to draw, I love to weld, I love to, I do stained glass. Uh, I'm creative, I'm a creative type. And right now I'm working as a technical writer and, oh my God, <laughs> it's hard to be creative doing technical writing. And uh, so, I think that's why I've had such a hard time submitting a submission to you guys is uh, it's the last thing I want to do when I get home is go sit in front of a computer and write words. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm just going to talk to you like a friend and I'm high and wish you were too. <sighs> that was perfect. Uh, and Julie said goodbye. I mean, how appropriate. <laughs> Thank you, universe.
I guess that's what this uh, pod, this uh, podcast is about for me. Is trying to get over a woman you love. And I still love her. She's a beautiful person. She's like uh, the lock and I'm the key, you know. I used to say that uh, I was the kite, and she, or I was the... I was the earth and she was the sun and I was the kite and she was the string. And I felt like we just really uh, got along together until I lost it. Couldn't keep a grip on it, you know? <laughs> Damn dualism. <laughs> now I think of myself more of a Taoist. Uh, I read the, the book by, uh, oh, what's his name? It's called the, the Left Hand Path. I mean, I've read everything. <laughs> but after that, I was, I've read a lot of books. And, you know, I'm an ape. I'm a primate. And uh, I need my tribe. I need my clan. I, I miss my kids. You know, I need friends. I've got friends. Um, but I spent so much goddamn time working you know, you're older, it's hard to, I don't know, anyway, I won't get into all that crap either, but, I guess I'm just trying to cope, you know, and, uh, just come to the realization that she said goodbye, he said goodbye, and, you know, I don't know if uh, we were ever really on the same wavelength after, our, I don't know, just, I guess we're just not on the same frequency. on walking and keep on dreaming. Keep on watching fly so high. I need you singing. I need you walking. Julie said goodbye. she came to me and told me about uh, she wanted a divorce uh, she said one of the reasons was because I left the church <laughs> I thought god damn it what do you mean I left the church I've been going to church with you they gave me a calling when I told them not to give me a calling Oh man, sorry. This spacing out there. Uh, I was in it. Uh, yeah, so. You know what? I want to talk about the thing about smoking marijuana that's been really therapeutic for me. I mean, uh, when Tony heard my story, Tony's my friend. Uh, we meet for coffee. And uh, he's ex-Mormon too. And uh, forgive me if I've told this story before, but yeah, we meet for coffee and uh, he's gay and I'm bipolar. And Well, he says he's bisexual and I'm bipolar, so we kind of go together. <laughs> the Indians have a, a uh, 
spirit they call the Hakoya. It's called the Sacred Clown. But anyway, uh, they, they call uh, gay people twin spirits. They have uh, two souls. And uh, it's funny when I joke around, I like to say I'm a lesbian. Because <laughs> I was raised by a gay father who was really a woman. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the Immaculate Conception, only backwards, because my father is gay, a woman, and my mother's a woman, and they had sex and they had a child. <laughs> and it was me. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, my dad was a great guy. I wish I could have known him. He was... Uh, Oh, he could have been so much more fun if he didn't have so much shame on him from the church. That's a whole other story. But uh, I, I often imagine the life he could have had if he could have just lived in his own skin and been comfortable with who he was. Because he was a beautiful man. He was a beautiful man. When I was 24 years old, just a few years off my mission and going to USU to become an engineer. My father came out to the family and told us he was gay. And I didn't know what to do with that. All I could do was hug him and say, I love you and it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But yeah, I, my mother would complain about my father to me and and I, you know, for marrying her, knowing he was gay, and I would say, why don't you ever blame the church? He was counseled to do what he did. But she would, she could never blame the church for the counsel that my, got, my dad got as a youth, because he told his bishop about his leanings. And uh, I remember he was meeting with, uh, I don't my mom told me this, that he was meeting with uh, LeGrand Richards, Every Saturday, uh, back in the 70s, getting counsel, I guess, and reading the scriptures as is outlined in uh, Hope for Transgressors, the pamphlet that came out at about that time. But they were, they were trying to give him therapy, and part of the therapy was just meet a woman. And you can read the pamphlet. It, it tells him right there, just start dating women. And I think the thinking was, is these guys just haven't had sex yet with a woman. I mean, once they have sex with a woman, that'll straighten them out. I don't know what they were thinking, but, you know, he was forced into, they wanted him to have children, and he always wanted children, he had, he loved his family. Um, so I don't know, I mean, that's hard to decipher the puzzle. Did my mom uh, choose her fate? I mean, it's the choice she made, you know, she chose him. Life just sucks sometimes, you know? But my mom carried a lot of grief from uh, hearing that my dad was gay. I mean, it just crushed her. I mean, it changed who she was. I think that's the moment in her life where it just, she, uh, like it took the wind out of her sail. She had a lot of anger, a lot of anger after that. And she kind of blamed us kids for still loving our father, and he would invite us over all the time, and he had betrayed her. Yeah, anyway, neither this nor there. But... You know, I think that sometimes I just think too goddamn much. <laughs> Another toe.
But one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, thinking about it. Uh, after I uh, kind of worked my way out of the uh, Mormon church, I started reading about the who wrote the Bible by Friedman, I think it was, and uh, I read uh, a lot of Bart Ehrman's work on Christ, and I read the book by uh, called Zealot, can't remember his name, the Israeli guy, the, the Muslim that wrote about Jesus. <laughs> anyway, uh, I lost Jesus as, as a savior, as a Christ, and so I wrote a song about, uh, you know, there's no, con- un- I mean, because that was my last holdout, I mean, for unconditional love. You know, if Jesus wasn't the Messiah or the Savior, and there's no love unconditional in this world. I mean, it all kind of comes on conditions. Did you play your game straight and you act right? <laughs> you know, we've got cultural rules and ways of behaving with each other that are, if you don't walk within the lines, they call you crazy. You know, my friend Tony thinks the all of this is just an illusion. He's a big proponent of Course in Miracles, and he thinks this is just all a pretty illusion. And this, you know, I kind of comment on that. You know, the story you tell yourself is the one that you live. And I was deep in the I was deep in the narrative of uh, LDS belief. But there's still things that happen that I, there's still things, I still sense things. I remember uh, before my daughter was born, Rachel, she was my last child, born in 2010. She just got baptized. (laughs) I could have baptized her, but her uncle Steve did. And, uh. She left the home when she was four years old. Or I left I left her home. I was living with my mom. I got I they moved me my wife moved me out of the house and she was four years old. Now she's eight. It's like these four years have just gone by and you know, here I am telling myself stories, so but uh dream about her before she was born and I knew I told my wife it's a girl I was in the delivery room and a girl came out she's beautiful we were having a girl and it's like two days later we went up and had the because we'd had two boys at this point uh, Aaron and Avery and uh, so we're both really hoping for a girl and I had this dream of my father Holding, oh, this is after Aaron. We're debating whether, anyway, that's another dream. (laughs) But I dreamt I was in the emergency room and it was a girl. And, uh, yeah, I got to tell the dream about Avery and Rachel. But anyway, I knew it was a girl and uh, we went and and it was a girl. It was Rachel. And uh, I know that sounds like a silly coincidence. Like, yeah, so what? 
you know, 50-50 chance. <laughs> but uh, when when uh, Rachel was pregnant with her, I just couldn't wait to see who was going to come out this time, you know, because I love my boy Aaron, and Avery's just a, oh, he's a head trip. He's a lot like his dad. They say he's got ADHD, and he's having seizures, and really bad seizures where he just passes out. We've got him on CBD oil now. I finally convinced my wife to allow him to have CBD oil because I know that will help with the inflation and uh, inflammation and the seizures and the, whatever's going on in his brain. But he just checks out. Kind of like I did when I was throwing papers with my mom and I've always been kind of a daydreamer and fantasy land, you know. Anyway, I'm hungry and I'm going to go in and get something to eat. And it's been good talking to you guys and hopefully, I'm, I mean, I know this has been crazy, but you know, I'm high. I've got a good excuse. <laughs> hey guys, keep doing what you do. Bye. And if you'll indulge me just a little bit more, um, here's the song I wrote that I mentioned. It's called Love Blindfold. And it's about me uh, losing my belief in Christ.
That was great. All right, listeners, don't forget to go to our website and vote for this essay. Provide some feedback. And if you've got something you want to say and you can squeeze it in before the end of November, record your own listener essay. Send it to us. We'll post it. Come support us on Patreon. And as always, thanks for listening to Infants on Thrones. Hi. This is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Dutchley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones. Oh, yeah, and one final thing. Uh, just because I've been getting more of these essays than I planned on, it's going to stretch into early December. Uh, so maybe December 1st, December 2nd will be our last listener essay. You can vote for any or all of these. So I, I don't want anybody to I don't want anybody to be confused and think that you only have to vote for your favorite one. Now, when you go and vote, you can vote, you can rank it as anywhere from one to five, how much you like it, and vote for as many of these as you want to. It's the quantity of people that vote and the scores that they give that are going to determine the final winner. So don't feel like you have only one vote to say you can vote for every single one of these essays and provide feedback to the authors for every single one of these essays. I know they would love to hear what you think because they did this to share it with you. So please go to the websites for the essays that you like and that you want to vote for and do that. And we're going to be doing this <laughs> for the next little while because uh, I'm still getting essays coming in. But I'll stop it. I, we won't go further than the... First week of December. And this, like everything else, is a canned message. So... If you've heard this before and you don't want to hear it again, maybe I should have told that before. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for... Blah.